Welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal, our 15th season showcasing stories from outstanding business people presented by BDO Canada. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Euros Malekic, who's sitting in for my co-host, Mike Newton. Euros, welcome back. Delighted to be back, Dan. I'm pretty hungry. Uh, it's brunch time, so what better accessory to talk about than smoked salmon? I was just going to say I, I'm excited for, for Lo, Laura Boivin uh, to come tell her story. I'm always amazed with all the entrepreneurs, Dan, that we bring on the show. Everyone has their own unique story, and they're all hungry for betterment. But when we're talking about hungry, I don't know how I'm going to go through the episode without trying to eat something because we're talking about smoked salmon on the show today. And I'll just say one more thing. I was watching a video. Um, BBC actually has a video on grizzly bears, uh, amazing salmon catching techniques. Mm-hmm. So when the grizzly bear is is triggered by hormonal changes, they enter this phase of uh, hyperphagia. And they can eat constantly for up to 20 hours a day without ever feeling full. I think they consume up to like 100,000 calories in a single day. Wouldn't that be something then? Oh, well, uh, Fumal Grizzly products are are really delicious, but not sure if you want to eat that much. Um, Although I have seen them in stores. I've bought the products over the years. Um, They're pretty great. So we're going to talk about the process, um, how they make their smoked salmon. A little different there. Um, The use of maple syrup is going to come up, which I love. And some new product lines, including uh, poke and uh, and tartars that they've launched. So they're really trying to make the products more accessible. Um, Laura Boivin, a former lawyer uh, who was uh, representing the company and decided to just go on and and get involved. So we'll we'll talk to her in a little bit. And as well, we'll have our BDO expert, Alita Eid, Senior Manager of People Advisory Services at BDO Canada, talking about the role of HR leaders in transforming your business that is on the way. But first, Euros, some current affairs news. And let's begin um, with... This story from Inc.com, why your most valuable employee is often the silent one. And I like this story as someone who's kind of an introvert. Um, it's, it's, it's good to, to spot out introverts in your, in your workforce and to help them succeed. For sure. I think, I mean, we've heard of quiet quitting a lot in the last uh, year or two. There's another slang out there, but this one is a little more positive. It, it, this, uh, the article actually refers to it as the quiet performer. So someone who's consistently doing their job, doesn't complain, works well with others, but isn't the loudest in the room. And as a business owner, I mean, you think, who would you rather employ? The, the loudest person in the room or the person that's going to perform well, but not going to say much, low maintenance, if you will. I think that the answer really, Dan, depends on on the job. Uh, the important part for a business owner is to not let the quieter talent uh, go unnoticed. Um, the, the article actually references a, an interesting story of a business owner, let's call him Randy, uh, who had a quiet performer in his team. Um, and this person, this team member, team member would show up almost daily to Randy's office to deal with customer issues, provide him with uh, reports that he needed. And he never complained nor vented, didn't toot his own horn, very, very low maintenance. And one day, you know, Randy had one of his uh, other business owner friends uh, in the office, and this team member walked in, handed in his daily reports, uh, which which Randy did need, and he left politely. Later, uh, Randy's friend, you know, the other business owner, he comments that uh, to Randy, you know, your, your team member 
doesn't say much. And the Randy responded, which is interesting. No, he's awesome. I wish I had 20 of them. So I think what's different here is Randy's friend's perspective was in his own business, he may have likely ranked this team member in the bottom half of performers due to his perceived lack of uh, enthusiasm. So that's one of the risks when you have upper management that are conducting uh, you know, performance valuations to not forget about the quiet worker who's in fact a, a top performer. You want to give, you know, we often want to give to those that complain rather than reward those that uh, perform. And then if you look at Mark Cuban, he's talked about how the people that he tends to hire are the driven learners who understand that the greatest value that they can offer is to reduce their boss's stress. So if you're a stress reducer, you're going to do well. Yeah, it's interesting. And I've noticed over the years, some of the, the, the quiet employees may also have other stuff going on. Maybe they have a personal situation, a young child, uh, maybe they have a side gig. As long as they're performing, they're getting the job done, they're posting good results and um, are, are easy to work with, that's fine as, as an employer. You know, I'm, I'm even okay with, with people being somewhat distracted by side gigs or whatnot if, if they're, you know, doing, performing well. Absolutely, Dan. And I think to, to add to that, if you're not a company, a business with, uh, you know, 5,000 employees, and, and even if you are, you should still try and do this. But when you're a small, medium-sized business, it's easier. Get to know your team. You know, spend some time with each team member. Uh, you know, have regular touch points with them. You know, get involved. It's easier that way to be self-aware, you know, of potential issues they may be dealing with at the time when you're speaking with them on, on a work engagement. Uh, you know, you could be a little more sensitive uh, and, and empathetic if they're having to deal with something for sure. This uh, other Inc.com story you wanted to get to, and uh, let's go through the list here together, uh, Euros. Six simple growth hacks for startups. So if you have a new business, um, you really like these tips. Number one, let's start with create expert content. Uh, that, that one appeals to me. Yeah, no, number one is that content is king, right? I mean, it's what drives the, the brand and, and engages customers. And it can come in many, uh, many forms. Of course, there's the traditional form in articles, blog posts, but what we can't forget about that is the audio and video content, as you know so well. Uh, and that's very, very relevant, uh, you know, these days. I think as a business uh, owner, you know, you should become, uh, you know, they say in the in the article, become a video star, right? It's their second, second tip. Uh, get used to the camera. You know, audio visual is more important than ever before. Everyone's on the go. So to showcase your, your content, you need to make yourself available to the consumer through different channels i mean video content is huge youtube i think is now number two search engine in the world right behind uh, google yeah absolutely as we often say to clients um you have a different media mix everyone has a different media mix and have to reach their clients in uh, the best channels possible number two tip for startups syndicate content to grow backlinks and that is something that is also really relevant to content it's not just about informing the public and ideally having expert advice and useful uh, content there for your audience. But what about the resources that might go back a few years? How can you create value for that? Um, there's a lot of value to me in, uh, in, in, I guess, housing your research, housing your wisdom on your website. 
For sure. And I think it's like, uh, you know, backlinks are, are the lifeblood of uh, SEOs, right? Uh, search engine optimization. I think you, you become a source of knowledge and insight for for, for the, the press, uh, get interviewed on podcasts, uh, you know, spread yourself out there to your network, write art articles on other people's sites. And, and um, you know, it's a nice way to, to bring business back into your own channel. And I think another one is, you know, building email relationships with your target market right we see i mean every inbox these days is cluttered with spam but you need to keep in mind that it's a numbers game right and emails are still a channel that work to get your clients attention so when someone gives you their email address they're essentially giving you permission to uh, connect with them so when you compare email campaigns with a social media posting let's say as an example an email it's like pinning a flyer up on someone's front door Versus hoping that they see one that has been posted on the corner telephone pole as they as they walk by. So you got to create ways for people to to sign up also to your to your newsletters. Yes, absolutely, no argument there. So part of the services we offer have to do with newsletters and maintaining contact. Although, as I wrote uh, on our website uh, uh, recently, um, I have to say some people send too many. Right. And you have to be conscious uh, of the fact that that people are busy, people have families, it's tough times. Don't throw stuff in people's inbox unless you find it useful for them. Uh, a good client of mine once told me quality over uh, quantity. Quality brings quantity. So I absolutely agree with you. Okay, so from content, speaking of content to innovation, you wanted to mention uh, this program uh, from the government of Canada. It's called the Canada Digital Adoption Program, CDAP. And I've encountered this before. Um, I see some young companies dipping into that. Uh, this is basically to help you um, to supersize your your internet and your e-commerce. Exactly. It's created, like you said, by the government of Canada. It's to help small and medium-sized businesses adopt digital technologies to basically help them uh, stay competitive and, and become more competitive in their, in their market space. Um, so what you get as an eligible business is you can receive a grant uh, and that's going to be designated to help build your digital plan. And that's followed by a 0%, so an interest-free loan of up to $100,000 to implement uh, that digital plan. Now, in today's market, an interest-free loan, as we all know too well, is very enticing. Um, evidently, the interest rates have, have creeped up even higher in the last few quarters. So I think it's, it's something that could be very useful for small and medium-sized businesses. And the type of technology adoption that we're talking about here, Dan, is digital marketing, e-commerce, improving operations efficiency and profitability through digital tools and investments so there's there's different uh it, it's sort of it's focused as a grant and and interest you know and a program but there's still some flexibility in terms of what you can do and they made it quite simple you know you register on uh, under the government of canada website there's a link and the, the website is iseed-isde.canada.ca or you can just search CDAP program under uh, BDC or through the Government of Canada website. You should find it there. You know, you build your digital plan with the help of a, an approved partner. Uh, I know BDO Canada is, an accredited, is accredited for that, so we can certainly help there. And BDC can uh, work with you to find uh, someone suitable. And once you get your approval... Uh, you submit your invoices and they'll disperse a grant of up to $15,000 to cover your advisory fees. Then once that's approved, uh, you can apply for the loan of up to $100,000 and that loan size depends on your business revenues. So just to be clear, uh, last thing, Dan, on who can apply, 
basically your business has to be a Canadian owned business for profit between one to 499 employees and have had at least 500,000 in annual revenue in one of the last three years. So uh, I think the best thing to do is speak with your, your accountant, CPA, um, your professional advisors and, and see if this is something that's suitable for, for your business. Very interesting because they're walking you through the process in a sense. They're giving you, um, you know, a little bit of a loan to start the R&D and then more to continue the process. So much more, um, much more closely uh, following uh, the progress of a business, I think, than, than perhaps programs of the past. So again, that's Canada Digital Adoption Program, CDAP. And uh, thanks, Euros. Pretty interesting uh, program there for, for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And just one last thing, Dan, uh, as part of that program, I I didn't mention, there's also an aspect of subsidizing the cost of an employee. So you might be eligible for that too. So another reason to go check out the website. All right. Coming up, we'll introduce you to our entrepreneur for today, Laura Boivin, CEO of Fumoir Grizzly. Uh, They do smoked salmon and all kinds of fish uh, found in most grocery stores in Quebec. Uh, Laura Boivin is here, the CEO of Grizzly Fumoir. They make smoked fish like smoked salmon and other products uh, from the sea. Laura, welcome to CJAD. Thank you, Dan, to have me. And in fact, yes, we are probably everywhere in a grocery store with our products. So I hope that everyone has the occasion to taste it. We're going to delve in deep into the product and where you're going into the future. Uh, but first, for those that don't know, um, what is Grizzly Fumoir? Uh, Grizzly, we are located in the province of Quebec, in St. Augustin de Desmarres, five kilometers away from Quebec City. And we're processing smoked salmon for now more than 30 years. Uh, we do for the last five, seven years, I would say, we process tartar salmon, tuna salmon, and also we have Patty's burger that we launched I mean, a few years ago on a grocery store. Can you tell us, Laura, a bit about the name and where that comes from, uh, Fumoir Grizzly? Obviously, we have a little bit of a background in terms of grizzly bears, but perhaps you can <laughs> dive into that uh, a little bit. Yeah, I was I was not the founder of this company. Pierre Fontaine found, was a founder. He was a passionate guy, you know, goes on the forest for developing this recipe that we're still processing today. And uh, Grizzly uh, Bear are the bigger fan of smoked salmon. They love salmon and you can see them catching the salmon on the river on the fall. And this is why Pierre, 30 years ago, chose this name. And I know that some people think that we we are from West Coast because the, the name of the company, but we really are in Quebec and with a big fan of Grizzly too. <laughs> And certainly uh, a lot of people are fans of it. I know just culturally, you know, uh, uh, my family and, and, and Jewish people in general love their locks. It's a huge cultural uh, thing. Um, is, is, and I know you are kosher, right? Are you, do you have many markets that you, you serve like that? And Yeah, we do. We do because we, uh, with the kosher certification, uh, we are certain that there's no cross-contamination. You know, it means that there's, if you have any allergy, you can trust our products and there was no cross-contamination with other products you could be allergen. So it's a, for us, it's also a, a, a gain of, uh, a, I would say, um, quality. This is why we keep the kosher certification. And Laura, I want to take you back uh, to what you said a moment ago. The, the business has been around for 32 years, if I'm not mistaken. You bought it in 2009, right? 
what what prompted you to buy a, a business in the Canadian food market? Did you have experience in the in the food industry, or was this new for you uh, at the time? This is a this is a long story, but let's say that I'm a lawyer too. I was a lawyer, and I practiced in a corporate law mainly for ten years, uh, and I was in private law for twenty two years, and I used to represent Fumarkis the as a client for me. And uh, my husband and me were doing more uh, kind of a corporate reorganization and we had to work with Grizzly. So we knew that this company was a really good company, but to be honest, I didn't know nothing about salmon. And even if my practice in law was to give advice to the CEO of the company, I didn't know nothing about production or about quality control. Everything was a big surprise for me. But I stayed with Pierre during 18 months when we bought this company. And then he can teach me a little bit. Uh, but I didn't know nothing about English. I know nothing about salmon and nothing about production. So I went to I went back to the university and I did my, you know, a new a new program to be sure that I could manage uh, adequately this company. But short story, I was a lawyer for this company and we just decided to buy it. And yeah. Wow, that's that's so interesting. So really a natural entrepreneur instinct there, uh, of Grizzly. T- tell me those first early days. Take me back to those early days. You show up for work. This is your company. Uh, what are you doing? Tell me about that, the intimidation factor there that you face when you go in, in those early days. First of all, you have to know that there's many different kinds of salmon. You probably know there's we process here in our plant four different kinds of salmon, Atlantic, coho, trout, and sockeye, which is a wild cut. And uh, I didn't even know that there was four kinds of salmon. I didn't know that there was kind of a, a contamination bacterial in every food industry. And then this is what intimidated me to not knowing everything I need to know to grow up this company because my goal and was to grow, was, you know, to, to make this company f- famous and to innovate. This is really what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the tool to do that at this time. And also, uh, you know, we have 100 employees. So as a lawyer, <laughs> don't really need to be, to be uh, I would say, a bienvoyant management, you know, to be good with the people. We need to be good naturally, but to gain our employees, to to make them motivate, to make retention, to make mobilization, it, you need to to be care with them, to to be to take care of them. Sorry, so this is what intimidated me too, and I need to to learn about that and make me more accessible. Because as a lawyer, we don't need to be like that, you know, <laughs> even if naturally we can be. But, you know, this is. <laughs> How many team members were you when you started? Do you remember back in 2009 versus now? Oh, yeah. You mentioned just. I was around 50. Oh, so it's doubled. Yeah. It's basically yeah. doubled. And what, what would you say is some of the challenges? I know we talk a, a lot about on, on the show in terms of challenges in retaining, your, you know, your top talent. I know you offer training. Uh, you know, you you want to help your, your team members pursue their studies. Can you maybe give give some tips to entrepreneurs that are tuning in? Yes. First of all, we need to, to make them, the people working for us, important. They make them, you know, feel that 
they you really care about what they do for you and they we need them even whatever the job they do on your company because this is truth you know this is a reality we need everyone on the the function that they need they they do and uh this is what we forget you know on the stress on the day-to-day basic we forgot some time to tell the people working with us that they are important. So this is the advice I should give for everyone who would like to grow on a company, grow their company. Where did you first develop your entrepreneurial instincts? Uh, did you have parents or family members uh, that that, got, that implanted that uh, that seed in you? No, no. My father was a musician. No, this is uh, this is not my family, but. Working with CEO as a lawyer during many years uh, make me like that. I think that, you know, this is uh, uh, make me feel that I should do that instead of uh, giving them advice. So just because I feel that I could succeed more working with people than give advice. You mentioned, you know, a few products, four different kinds of salmon. Um there's a consistency, I think, in how you finalize the product, right? You brush it at the end. I was hearing about with maple syrup. Is that right? Yeah, this is a thought process. Yep. Can you maybe tell the average consumer, uh, you know, maybe some people are more uh, savants, I guess, in terms of uh, smoked salmon, but could you tell the average, uh, the average audience uh, member uh, and, you know, what that entails and why that's done? So we do with smoke, we do with the maple wood, things that we burn real wood on the oven and we smoke the fish with real maple wood. And then we salt it, we dry cure with the salt and then we water it and we brush with maple syrup. It's all natural products, no color add, you know, it's really, really natural. And there's a lot uh, for scissor, they use uh, brown sugar instead of using maple syrup. So we want to keep it really uh, quality and it doesn't taste too much when we we eat it, but we avoid to use sugar. It so complements the saltiness, I guess. Uh, yes. That's and sweet then, and salty, yeah. We want to keep a low rate of salt and using maple syrup, we cut the salt on the flesh. So it avoids the salt to take, you know, all the place on the taste and we want to taste fish also this is right. uh, this is the mainly the goal and we process every kind of salmon on the same way whatever the, the kind of salmon we are processing that if you see difference this is because this is different genetic so salmon trout aquatic coho sockeye they are different texture they are they have different taste color so this is this is good to talk about that for with you because we we can educate more a little bit the customer. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's yeah. why I asked, and I wasn't trying to be ignorant. It's just you know some people know more about sm- smoked salmon th- than mm. others. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty ready for brunch at this point. Uh, I want to dig into the product a little bit more. Talk about R and D now. Laura, remind me how how long have you been uh, head of Grizzly? Uh, you know, we bought this company in 2009 with my husband. So, and I manage this company since this time. So, I Excellent. don't know, 14 years maybe. Okay. <laughs> We're getting older. <laughs> 
Now, I want to talk about R&D because you actually were in the news recently. Um, tell me about a, a partnership with the university uh, to work on, on, on safer food. Uh, first of all, I'd like to, to tell you that we, we want to be really innovative company. We work a lot on innovation. Since the last five years, we launched 19 new products on a grocery store. So this is our, I would say, genetically in us to develop new products. And we had the opportunity to develop uh, bio-ingredients with Laval University. It was a long project of research with them. As a small company, obviously, we didn't have the money to do this kind of research because it's really, really big. And But with the partnership with Laval University, we succeed to find a bio-ingredient. And this bio-ingredient, when we apply it on the food industry, when you use it on the, use, on the food industry, we can kill bacteria named Listeria. Uh, and Listeria is a naturally present on environment, and it's naturally present on agri-food business. And this is a fight that we have to do on a day-to-day when we uh, manage uh, food in the, on the food industry. So uh, Grizzly own a commercial license to commercialize this bio-ingredient worldwide. And this is what we are doing, in fact. And uh, we, we think that it's really a big revolution because you have to know that Listeria is a big, co- bigger cause of recall, microbiological recall in the food industry. So you can see it every, and mainly there's a lot in the United States, but in Canada, this is the main cause of recall too. So with our bio-ingredients, since it's a really natural product, it's kind of probiotic, you know, it's literally probiotic, really simple. We grow bacteria and with using it, we can avoid and kill listeria. So it's avoid also disease for the human being. And we know that we have the homologation from the health department, Canada, in 2017. And we are waiting. We will have soon uh, the homologation from the FDA also, so we can commercialize it in the United States. And, and I know before the break, Laura, you were you were mentioning that in your process, you know, you use real wood, no injections. It's all yeah. natural products. There's no color added, right? It's all green label. So I guess ESG, environmental, social, and governance score, is an important uh, variable for for you uh, for your company. You know, as a company, we have the we we can change thing, we can act to change thing, and you know, improve the life and and, and the interests of everyone. This is what we want to do, and with our bio ingredient and doing things naturally and more trendy and offering our customer, you know, new trendy products. Uh, we think that we can make everyone lives of everyone better. This is. This is our goal. You know, we need to to do that to uh, to uh, to grow and to yeah to be a good company. And I think it's it's nice to see you know even from an investment standpoint, more investors are are, are putting importance on on an ESG, uh, this environmental, social, and governance score. Uh, so it's nice to see that everyone's sort of banding together 
and valuing the fact that this is of importance to public health in, in general. Uh, I want to ask another question about uh, technology. Uh, I know, I think it was, this was maybe just before you acquired the company, I was reading that there's this automated cutting slicer, high precision uh, machine that you have. I think it's more, the only one in North America. Uh, can you talk to us about what, cha uh, what that change in terms of bringing in technology into the business process has done for your business? This is a, this is a, yes, we are the only one in North America to have this kind of technology here. We can decide every precise specs of our, of our projects. And it makes our projects constant and the customer could expect to have the same thing every time on their, on their packaging. And also we are more efficient in the, on the production. And this is uh, this is a really great uh, equipment, and it's also more we can have also more data about our production with this kind of equipment. So, uh, and during the last few years, we also improve other uh, sector of our uh, plant. So we buy a lot to automate because you know, as everyone, we have a problem to find good employees. So it's this is a main problem at, the, at this time in the province of Quebec. So we have to optimize and uh, bring our people working for us at other level so they can uh, still uh, help us to, to grow. But we bought a lot of automatic equipment since the last few years. And in fact, we had also some help, financial help to do that with all. We, we try to keep the lower price we can to to make our products accessible but at some point you know it's not easy for anyone at this time in this uh, in the food industry i want to pick up on the accessibility point and some of your new products um because for for generations it seems smoked salmon came in that one pallet you had your slices of fish that was it now you're you're saying you have the burgers and uh the the poke um, sort of uh, 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 formats. What trends are you seeing that are helping your business grow? We we uh, we pick the idea from everywhere because you know for for example the puki one day the tartar one one day there's a broker in Alaska called me say Laura have you already seen heard about uh, tartar? No, oh, what is it? So it's puki. It's, they name it puki and it's from Hawaii. So. Oh, okay. And I say, oh, send me some pictures. I can see what is it. And it's uh, eight years ago. And finally, we were the first one launching a tartar in a grocery store. And I, I would say that this is a, in a restaurant. We are everywhere. And and it's good because we, we are helping our customer. But I have to tell that 55% of our business is on a food service. So we supply restaurants. And we wanted to help them because they have also some problem to good to to find a good employee. So we supply them tartar, we supply them everything already to ready to serve, so they don't have to to hire someone to cut to uh, to handle it. And uh, we work with them on R and D project to find a way to make their life easier as a as a chef on a restaurant. Or you know, this is uh, the way we work on innovation. We work with our customer and say, okay, what can help you? What can we do to make to help you to make a second step to avoid to hire some people to do it? And let's us to be your 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 plant, literally. 
there's some idea pop up on our mind and we work on that. It's nice when you're working with a flexible product too. I think like salmon, it's it's fairly flexible. It allows the customer to kind of play the chef with your with your different products. I think that's you're interesting right. for sure. Yeah, and uh, right. you know, especially when you're entertaining guests, it's great that you can you know go out and serve these hors d'oeuvres that seem like uh, elite, right? Um, <laughs> let me let me ask you, Laura, about like the revenue channel. So business to business versus uh, direct to consumer. Can you talk to us a, a bit about your strategy there and, and where you want to focus on going forward? We sell mainly frozen product and uh, it's really higher quality. So everything is important when we deliver. It need to keep to, we need to keep it frozen. We need to, to check if you know the, the, the cold chain to be sure that every goes everything will goes on a good uh, quality of, on our customer. So because of it, we don't deliver. We don't have any truck. This is why we use some distributor. They are better than us to do it. So we use, you know, every distributor in the province of Quebec, may name it, we are there. And they are the one we sell to them. And then they ship everything to our customer on a food service channel. If we are talking about retail we do directly business with the retailer so every every grocery store in the province of quebec even the smaller the bigger we are everywhere and we sell directly to them so we never do business on the b2c channel we name we do only b2b because we we cannot we don't have a truck uh to to deliver and we don't want to go this this way we're not good you know everyone has to be good on what they do so this is uh, what we choose thank you laura interesting strategy laura bovine ceo of grizzly smokehouse we'll have her one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs in just a moment but first let's just check in with our bdo specialist alita Eid is senior manager people advisory services at bdo canada we're talking about hr today alita welcome back thank you for having me and Euros, we often like to start the season with uh, little general chats on uh, some big picture stuff. So taxes, uh, maybe we'll do next week. Let's do HR today and how important it is in terms of uh, transforming and, and maintaining your business. Right, Dan. So Alita, let's jump right into it. I mean, uh, I'm sure we've all seen businesses that have had to undergo some sort of you know transformation to really survive in the competitive market uh, in today's world. So can you maybe... You know, tell us what the role of HR leaders is in this uh, transformation. Um, yes, of course. So HR leaders, um, they play a critical role in transformation and change uh, whenever they get the chance to. So they can partner with the business leaders to help design and prepare for change initiatives using a human-centered approach. Um they help you stay aligned with the organization's purpose, values, and culture throughout the transformation process, um, which means they can help the company remain connected to its purpose despite the changes that it's implementing. Uh, they help you ensure that the right people are involved in driving the change and um, they can help you plan for success by assessing readiness for change, challenges and sustainability. One thing that I would say is uh, don't involve HR leaders too late in the process because that tends to happen often or either too late or just no involvement at all. Um, 
and uh, just keep in mind that um, you know they're a great uh, ally in helping you develop a strategic communication plan uh, for your change initiative. And um, you know they identify the right information to communicate, the frequency, and the most effective way to deliver it. So all of these elements I find have a direct impact on how people experience change. And you mentioned uh, using a, a human-centered approach. What would you say, Alida, are the key elements to succeed uh, with this type of approach? A human-centered approach is um, is going to enable you or you know help you think about all employees at every stage of the journey, starting with the initial conversations around the change initiative up to the design phase and all the phases that come after that. So just keeping you know your employees and your people thinking about them at every stage. And one thing that I often repeating, I find uh, nowadays is that we have to keep in mind that we've, um, we've all lived um, kind of a reset in the past couple of years that impacted who we are as a whole and our overall energy for change. So the main thing is to bring people to see that, that it's an opportunity rather than a threat. Also, when it comes to human-centered approach, uh, no plan, no change or transformation plan is perfect. So gathering feedback on your execution is key. Uh, so you can do this by providing employees with the appropriate channels to voice their feedback and concerns throughout the process to assess engagement levels and training needs and just tailor your company's approach to the change as best as you can and as you go. Yeah, for sure. And thanks, Alida. Uh, I mean, very, very wise words. I think change is is good. Uh, you need to embrace it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different variables, as you mentioned, uh, and it's important for, you know, the, the owner operators of, of businesses to work with the right professionals to help adopt some of these changes that are going to help, uh, help them uh, stay competitive in the future. Absolutely. Alida Eid, Senior Manager, People Advisory Services at BDO Canada. Thanks again, Alida. Thanks, Dan. And to conclude the show, let's turn to our entrepreneur, Laura Boivin, CEO of Grizzly Fumoir, and ask her, Laura, for your one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs, please. Yeah, yeah, just one piece, not two. So, but I will take the best. We, um, I would say that for many years, we did not do any R&D in Grizzly because we were afraid to spend money and we were afraid to miss our shot. But if you don't take the shot, you don't make any goal. So I would say take a risk, calculate it, but we have to take some risk because we will have some, I would say, failure and it's, it will happen, but we will learn and then we will restart and then this is the way we grow. So take the risk, calculate it, but don't take the, don't take the chance to miss the point because in 2023, everything goes fast. If you don't take any chance, you will uh, just look the, the train pass and nothing will happen. Excellent advice. Laura Bovine, thanks so much. And Euros, uh, an example of, of someone who had a really pure entrepreneurial spirit as a lawyer and then saw this opportunity, went for it, grew the business, became really passionate. And uh, it's great to see uh, put a face to the name of a product that we've seen uh, in the grocery store so often. Thank you for being here. And I love that advice. It reminds me of that Michael Jordan quote where, you know, he shot how many uh, shots uh, at the basketball rim. But uh, and that's why he has so many uh, points uh, recorded yeah. in his in his history. So I love that. And you know what? Feedback is a gift. 
I think if you don't welcome it and understand it, you can't benefit from it. So absolutely agree with you. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Laura. And a reminder, you can subscribe to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal as a podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple, or your favorite platform. You can also log on to the website, inspiringentrepreneursmtl.com, for hundreds of local entrepreneur profiles. Thanks, Euros, and we'll be back next week. Talk.